Murdered and missing persons not only affect those left behind, but the crimes are felt throughout our communities. Please join me as I take us into everyday American lives, like yours and mine, except for these ordinary people were touched by a special kind of evil, the kind that scars innocent souls. We'll tell their stories and talk with the victim's family and friends. We also have interviews with law enforcement and other officials. These disturbing and inter- uh, frightening cold cases need your help. So please stay tuned. Hello and welcome to Death, Lives, and Alibis. I'm your host, Christy. We are a true crime podcast and we're going to examine area cold cases and look into how they affect the loved ones that's left behind and also dive deep into some questions that's been unanswered year after year for too many years. This also affects not just the friends and family, but also the neighborhood, the workforces. It's just not one person. Death on Galena Avenue. 30-year-old female found dead on mattress bed in the backyard shed. Yes, guys, it's bad. Ashley grew up in a small community called Deavertown in southern Ohio. She had a very special relationship with her grandpa. You have a special relationship with an older adult as they're growing up. Usually it's a grandma or grandpa or maybe an aunt or an uncle. I had a grandma, Grandma Perry. She, oh, I loved her. She chewed red horse tobacco. Yep, and spit it into old uh, coffee cans. <laughs> I love my grandma. And Ashley had a special relationship with her grandpa, and he loved Ashley. He loved all his grandchildren, and he would invite them to the farm, and the farm was so spacious. As you're a child, everything's big, right? This farm was so big to these kids, and he loved when his grandchildren would come to visit him on that farm. There was Ashley and then her brother, Chris, who was six years older than she was. Then she had her sister, Bella, who was six years younger than she was. And they would all go out to the farm and spend hours and hours just swinging on a swing and playing in the creek and playing in the barn. You know, you make forts with those bells of hay, and I can see them playing cowboys and Indians. And, yeah, it's a good time, really a lot of good time. It's some freedom for kids when you're on a farm like that. Ashley was carrying and hiding a dark secret. She was being sexually abused by an adult that she trusted. And abuse that of trust, abuse Ashley, it scarred her as a little child. Most adults can't handle that. It's a trauma. Uh, and a child, so young, just a baby, trying to handle this. And, and she was scarred. She took it with her the rest of her life. Um, but again, she always would go to her grandpa and feel safe. There was never a betrayal with her grandfather. All through her life, she did feel betrayed by her grandfather and being on that farm. And I bet being on her grandpa's farm is some of the best times she can remember. Ashley had a way with animals. She was like the animal whisperer. All animals seemed to just gravitate to her and love and snuggle. You know what they say, animals know a good soul, a kind person. And that was how Ashley was with animals. They trusted and bonded with her. She opened up and trusted with animals. That was another escape for her. Uh, Growing up, she had two Siamese cats that she absolutely loved. And on the farm, all the baby animals were really neat and awesome. But the cats, the kittens, she loved the barn kittens. And along with other things, she carried this through her life uh, about trusting animals and having kind of a bond with animals. Up until a certain point, she was 14 years old, 
And here she was coming into herself as a teenager, you know, finding her way, kind of being rebellious, no, rebellious, knows everything about everything, and nobody else knows anything about her. You know, you remember those teen years, right? Uh, but something happened the year she turned 14. Uh, Ashley had a gruesome attack by a dog. It was vicious. It scarred her, scarred her on the outside. It scarred her on the inside. She took this along with her for the rest of her life. It was another trust issue. It was another betrayal to uh, her. I can just imagine because how she opened up to animals and the stories I've heard, I can just imagine this trust. You know, she didn't provoke it. She, as a matter of fact, felt safe until the, it actually happened. And she healed. She had to heal a long time for her to, to get back. Her family was there. They supported her, and, and they tried to understand. It was just, it was a tough time for Ashley and in her life. Ashley was struggling through a lot in these years, and the age of 14, um, when she almost was 15, she got a settlement from that dog attack, and here she is, uh, too much money, stubborn bullheaded and she was moving out she didn't like where she was she wanted to go live with her father so ashley packed her bags and away she goes she goes to her father's who he loved ashley but he himself was not really in a good place especially to accept a 14 year old girl with too much money like i said into his care and she did she walked out wild side she started like the rest of us around here we are a rural community and back roads and small you know suburbs here and here and little towns and villages and we would drink beer smoke our marijuana and just drive around party and see other kids and uh, on the back roads that's what we did and that's what ashley started out to do her, i'm not saying her family was was happy about it but you know she, it wasn't it wasn't a big issue she wasn't overdoing anything she was still maintaining um but here comes the 15 and they saw something just change in ashley her friends saw it her family saw it people that loved her 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 brother chris he saw it immediately he said okay what is going on and what was going on it was the uh, early 1990s and cocaine was falling everywhere around here it was pretty abundant you could get it almost anywhere just like the, what's happening with the uh, fentanyl and the meth and all that now that's how cocaine came into our communities and such a young age 15 years old I mean that stuff works on you know your mind body and spirit and that poor child she was at 15 trying to chase away her demons already she was feeling feelings that she should not have had nobody should especially at that age and she was trying to deal and you know what these chemicals these substances was giving her the numbness so she didn't feel those they were giving her courage to go and be boldly something and somebody without having that shroud around her she was with people that was doing the same thing she was so guess what she was fitting in with these other people they was having the same problems she was you know her peers were all doing it Ashley was doing it too much and she was not doing well so her family was heartbroken and her friends got together and they sort of did this intervention just talking to her um, these were the friends that really loved Ashley had been around her uh, most of her life and her family and you know what some of it did go to her heart and her head because turns around and she gets a job at Domino's and you know 
she gets in there and it's a whole new world for Ashley. Here's these kids that have a job. They're working to get a car and, you know, they're going places and doing activities. And these are the, and I'm, I hate this word, but the so-called normal kids, right? Um, they, you know, they didn't look like they felt dirty. They didn't look like they were broken or scarred or anything had happened to them. This is what she wants. This is okay. This is cool, right? Well, we, we all know how naive we are at that age, and Ashley was, because every one of those children, I'm sure, were dealing with their own demons. You know, there was, nobody knows what's going on behind doors of other people. But here she is. She has the uniform on, and she's talking, you know, about the, with the customers that, she, you know, she has her favorites, and, you know, you make fun of the food. You have your your camaraderie with that. You know, you tell your jokes, and go after, you know, after work, you, you go places and, you, you know, get together. It's what she wanted. She was feeling really good, except Ashley was trying to balance that wild child you know, do what I want, have a good time, not, you know, not feel, I feel special over here and important. I feel kind of, you know, popular with these kids that are doing the drugs and partying too much. But she enjoyed, you know, this over here was, like I said, new to her. It kind of felt like, like a springtime, like a cleaning, like, except she couldn't do it. She could not hold that balance. And she tipped. And she started missing work. She started really messing up the orders. Uh, her co-workers was paying a lot of attention to what was happening. And so she left there. She just quit there. And she went to Wendy's next. And she was there a few months. Thought, okay, you know, they don't know me here. I can start all over again. Let's do this. I got this this time, right? I can just see her. Well, no. Mm -mm, she didn't have it. Couldn't keep her at work doing what she was doing and not doing. So, um, yeah, she, they let her go. She turned her uniform on. She walked out. And I bet she felt self-betrayal there, too. So, yes, yeah, she struggled then. I mean, she she went downhill even more. And the years passed. And But like always, you know, it doesn't always stay bad. It really doesn't. There's We have little glimmers of nuggets of uh, goodness that come through our lives. And she got one, and it was a soulmate. When Ashley met him, she had never felt this way before. She felt that he knew her before she told him anything really about her. He didn't care. He didn't care that she, she didn't, he didn't see her brokenness, you know. He didn't see the fake that she thought she was putting on. He saw Ashley. He loved Ashley. And Ashley loved him back. She opened herself up. She did trust him. She was letting down the walls. And again... Ashley was trying to balance that. I like this, you know, side of me. I, I, I don't like, you know, I can't control it. It's overtaken me. I don't want to let go. But uh, she loved him. She wanted a relationship and a future with him. She could see it. They talked about it. Uh, but he gave her an ultimatum. It had to be no drugs and them. And let's work on this. Let's do this together. Clean. Um, and... She tried, but it, it didn't work, and he walked away. He walked away, and yeah, right, another damn betrayal, she felt. Um, but you know what? In, in, her, in her head, she knew he, he was doing the right thing. He had to keep himself safe. He, had, he knew what he wanted, and he was moving on. It broke his heart, too. He loved Ashley. She picked the drugs, and again, can you go any further? She goes down further and struggled for the next years, and her... Mother and her sister and her grandma, they all saw it. 
they tried to help. They did everything they thought. You know, they didn't talk to her. They took things away from her. They threatened her. Um, they asked her to get help. Uh, they tried to help. They did everything that a loving family that sees a child and a family member would go through this. Everything that you can think of, these people did. They loved Ashley. And they reached out to her. And she tried things. She did. But she always fell back into the drugs. Our drugs and alcohol. It had her. And how life happens. She had some sunshine that come in her life. She had two children. A daughter and a son. And I met Ashley. And I met her children. We lived in the same complex. And she would visit an apartment right across from me. And I would see her. And I spent time with her long enough to see that over years, a period of years, see her be a good mother. And I'm not just saying that. Become the host of this podcast. I will tell you the raw, real of a story because that's how we are going to approach it and i i'm pretty sure like i said i do know ashley some and i think she would want her story to be told and you guys take good from it okay whatever bad you hear take take the goods okay i'm not going to do that i don't want to do that or yes i know somebody that did that but I'm going to give it to you. And I'm going to tell you the truth. She was a good mom. She was always clean. Her children were clean. And she was into the pills heavy. Everybody, it seemed like, in the apartment complex at that time was. And But she, you know, um, again, here's that bad word, normal to me. Uh, she was always laid back. She, I guess she was like Camellia. We can be, um, you spit in where you are. Because she was respectful to me, funny wise uh just i never saw anything that i could say bad about ashley except i knew that she was on the pills but she took care of herself and her children but then of course it always you have to have more you have to have stronger it's not doing the job so let's try this and that's what she started doing her habits started getting bad with the pills and she started stealing from anybody and everybody she was in and out of jail her health was going down really bad her her brother chris was really worried about her health so her brother was a rock for ashley they had a strong a strong relationship a little bit about chris uh they called him cowboy and he was a big burly teddy bear i guess he was an outdoorsman he loved motorcycles um he loved his family and he always was trying to warn everybody about ashley you know, so watch out for Ashley. Keep an eye on Ashley. I love her from afar, right? Love her at a distance. Well, in October of 2016, Chris had a motorcycle accident. And once again, Ashley felt life's betrayal. At the funeral, she was high. But like a good druggie, her mom said, she denied it. And you wouldn't believe what and when the next time that she saw her daughter. We're going to take a break right now. We'll be right back. Ashley was married at the time of Chris's death, and I don't know if she had became addicted to the needle before or after she had met her husband, but a couple years had went by, and the family had absolutely no contact with her. None at all. That's how bad she made a choice again and she is i'm she's no longer balancing she made that choice she's over the line that line's not even there and she's walking death actually right but 
her mom, her family, her sister Bella, they would keep updated through social media, friends that know friends. And of March of 2018, she had gotten out of jail once again. And, you know, I don't know if you know, unfortunately I do, when you come out of jail uh, and you feel sober, you get feelings, right? You have, you've been in there a while. Uh, hopefully you can get sober in there. We just had a mass overdose in a Ross County jail here. And it said mass in the report. So I'm assuming that's a huge amount. And when you come out, you know, you have those feelings. You do get support in there. These females are in the same boat that you are. And they're clean. And you support each other. And you um, help each other. And you talk to each other. And, you know, come on, you've got it. I don't want to see you back here, you know, here again. And let's do this. And that's how she felt once again. Remember how she felt when she got a job and, and all that new feeling? Well, she reached out this time to her family. Sober, just getting out of jail. Talked to her mom. Talk to her grandma, you know, I want to see you. Let's let's do this, you know, let's get back together. Let's mend these broken relationships. And they were they were all for it, but slowly and she had to prove a lot of things to them. They just was not opening their arms to her embracing her like that. No, you prove yourself to us because too many times we've heard it and they can't they can't do that anymore. You prove it to us. And she said, yeah, okay, I'm up for that. No problem. Let's do this. Her sister, on the other hand, was strictly no. No, you know, I'll see what you do over here with these relationships. The people love you. And then, you know, we'll talk about us later. Because her sister and her are really on the outs. They had a knockdown drag-out fight in a convenience store. So it was not pretty, right? She loved her sister. She didn't love and like what Ashley was. But she loved her sister. I asked her what she missed most about Ashley, and she said her tenacity. That was perfect. If you knew Ashley, that's spot on, right? So her sister was rooting for her. Everybody was rooting for her. Everybody loved Ashley. You know, they were praying and hoping for her. Bella was woken up by her husband on March 21st, 2018, saying, Honey, you've got to go to the morgue with your mom. Ashley has died. She's passed. Now, that's a hell of a thing, right? And even though you try to prepare yourself, you haven't been around the person, that's your sister. You you don't, I can't imagine. I cannot even imagine. It gives me goosebumps just sitting here to think about it. Because we've gotten close to Bella and her mom, Lori, and like I said, I knew Ashley. They've become really special to us. They're good people. Okay, so let's get back to the serious note. What was happening to Ashley? And this is really traumatizing for everybody how this went down. First of all, her sister was given four to five different stories, she said. What we do know were that her and her husband were actually living in a shed in the backyard of the small property on Galena Avenue. Now, we drove by the shed, and it is, it's a wooden shed. It's like any normal old wooden shed. I don't believe there's any windows in it. It was an earth floor. And we drove by, there was not any electricity, it looked like, to it, or, of course, any plumbing or anything like that. So we don't know if there was heat, because keep in mind, this was March 21st. We reached out to the mother-in-law and the husband several times, and we would love to get their uh, feedback, but we haven't heard anything. It's still open. If they hear this, please contact us with the information we sent to you. Um, the weather that night, I went back in history, and it was... 34 degrees. The whole week it had uh, been 
sprinkling and freezing rain back and forth. That night it was missing, and the wind was 12 miles an hour. It was cold. It was really cold, especially in that shed, I'm sure. We do know that the EMS was called at 6 p.m. that evening. Now, we tried to get records. We tried to get court records. We tried to get 911 call. We tried to get records from the coroner. And we were told no by Detective Schwagert. And his reply was because it is an inactive case. And he referred us to our sheriff, uh, Sheriff Lutz. So we asked Sheriff Lutz uh, what a inactive case means. And he said, uh, quote, it's still open. However, no criminal charges have been filed. But there are no more leads to follow up. So this stays this way until new evidence is discovered. And I said, is this just your office? Is this statewide? How does this work? And he said he has an agreement between his office and the prosecuting attorney's office. And I said, okay. But now this is just my opinion. And I'm not a professional. But it's a what we are covering are cold cases. And it's inactive, which means... It's not being worked. Nothing's being done to it, but it's not closed. Okay, so something, it's open. They're waiting for something, but they're not doing anything. Now, I was raised that if you keep doing the same thing over and over and over again and expecting a different result, that's crazy. Now, again, my opinion. Let's get back to the shed. What we don't know is why they were living in the shed. Well, you know, we can imagine, right? Uh, Ashley's sister, Bella, was told that they would never let a dog in that shed. And that was by a police officer that was on the scene. But maybe it was an agreement, guys. You know, maybe it was an agreement. They Both sides had come together. The mother-in-law inside keeping her stuff safe. And the kid, her kids outside doing the drugs. But they're off the street. I mean, that's... You know, we don't, I don't know. I tried to reach out. I don't know. It could be worse. It could be something totally different. You know, they could have been sneaking in the shed. Maybe she didn't even know they were there. I don't know. Maybe she banned them in the shed and don't give a damn. I don't know. We tried to find out and that's stuff we don't know. Um, I want to say something though here. I'm going to share just, I want to share my story and I'm going through all, through this, the different cases that we do. Again, I want my story to help somebody in any little way. I mean, maybe help you pick up that phone and leave a tip or maybe help you speak up or maybe help you not take that next drink or use whatever it is. Even, I don't care how small it is. That's why I want to say what I'm saying. I was a grown-ass woman, probably about 23, 24 years old, had children. No, I knew better than this, right? I didn't have my children because of the drugs and alcohol. And I was actually living in my mother and stepfather's camper in the backyard. Uh, I had electricity. I had plumbing. So, I, you know, it wasn't. But come on. No, because I, and I couldn't be in the house when they weren't there or at nighttime because, yeah, you couldn't keep your electronics. You couldn't keep your cash. You couldn't keep your pills. That's as embarrassing. I'm admitting it because I'm not that way today. So that's, we don't know. You never know, okay? If you know somebody's going down that road, you know, never give up. But, you know, tough love, love from afar. If you're going down that road, reach out. I'm telling you, it, it, it can get better. All right, so let's go back to that night, March 21st. Uh, we do know the EMS was called at 6 p.m. that evening. 
Now, the family shared the autopsy report with us. We don't have the coroner's report, which has a lot more information, a lot more detail, you know, the stuff we want to know. We do know that the time of death was between 6 and 7 a.m. Yes, now that is a 12-hour period of time of WTF, because that's a red flag, because the autopsy report said that the blood had already pooled, you know, congealed uh, where she had been laying. Excuse me. So, yes, that was a red flag. Okay, I'm going to have to get some tea for my throat. In the mug today, we have milk oolong. O-O-L-O-N-G. It's good. I get it from Amazon. Hold on a second. Be right back. I spoke to Renee Reynolds, who is an investigator for the Licking County Coroner's Office. And we spoke about hot. She told me there was very high fentanyl in her system, along with meth. But the fentanyl was a lethal dose, an overdose amount. And we saw in the autopsy report that the body had numerous, over a dozen needle marks. But these, keep this in mind, these needle marks were healing. There was no new needle marks. And he would have he said that, but it says no new needle marks specifically. It says they are all healing. So correct me if I'm wrong. If you're an IV user and you've been out for a week, are you going to do it any other way? I've heard that kind of like wasting it. Like you have to do a huge amount to, to get it that way, but I don't know. So if you guys have a comment about that, go ahead and give us some feedback. To me, that was a red flag. All right, the autopsy also, we know, said it had blunt, said she had blunt force head trauma. Now, the skull was not fractured, but there was hemorrhaging. It was severe, but not fatal. Now, another red flag if it was an overdose, right? So I asked about a seizure, and Renee said, no, not so, because with seizures, you have other symptoms and other signs, particularly the biting of the tongue, and like I said, others that just wasn't there. I said, what about if she was ODN and had fallen or, or something like that? And she said, we don't know. They can't be ruled out because we don't know. Her and I don't know what was in the shed. But she also had, uh, Ashley also had a lacerated liver. Now, bear with me here. She had para and pira mortem, which means at the time or close to death. So when she was dying, or as she was dying, she her liver was, what could have been happening? And then her and Renee mentioned CPR. Yes, I've done CPR before, and I have cracked ribs, and I know what goes on, but once again, that doesn't make sense because the body, because the body was reported on the autopsy that she had passed away 12 hours earlier. And I don't think they do CPR on a body that's a, a corpse. You know, certainly she was very stiff with the weather and 12 hours of life out of her. Um, yeah, I don't get that. So that was just a really huge red flag to me. There's just more questions we go without, you know, any any answers? On along the line of the overdose deaths, I want to tell you guys something. Jennifer Hyacin is our public information officer, and she really helped us out here. She got some information for me. I want to tell you that these are our overdose deaths through the years, and I want to tell you some numbers. Now, these are non-intentional, so this isn't like suicide or something. Let's start in 2011. They only had two overdose deaths. We'll go to 2013. We went up to 10 overdose deaths. We go to 2015, and we go up to 13 overdose deaths. 
And in 2018, this is the year that Ashley died, we had 35 overdoses. But in the first January, February, and March of that year, there were 20 overdoses. Uh, and only 15 for the rest of the year. So was there a bad batch going on? Was a bad batch getting through the communities? What in the world was happening with that? And then we go on, and then last year it went up to 42 overdose deaths. But I'm thinking, this is just me now, this is just me. Were they all overdoses? I mean, you know, what if somebody just did something that made it look like an overdose death? That's very possible. I've heard of that, right? So how do we know? Oh, that's a huge number. I'm not saying it couldn't be, but why could it not be? And I'm not saying that they didn't investigate good. I'm saying that just maybe the murderer was good. So as you look through the autopsy, there is more bruising and trauma to her body as uh, it was reported on the autopsy. So let's think of other possibilities. How about a neighbor? Was because we don't know if where her husband was or where her mother-in-law was. What about just a bad guy that was out and about? How about a sexual predator? Because we don't know if there was a rape kit done or not. I did look at stats about sexual predators, as you can go on and search now, in the area. And right now, this year, there's eight. Just in, I think it was like two miles, three miles. Uh, crazy. But, yeah, that, so I don't know. That's just, I'm throwing it out there. What do you guys think? Throw us back what you guys think. What about she was, you know, she was going down that road of the lifestyle that comes along with those hard-ass drugs and the IBUs. And what if she had a jaw and what if she was doing a trick and, you know, that went bad. And, of course, we're going to say it because we are true crime bus and we're going down that road. We are not accusing. We're not professionals. This is for educational and entertainment purposes only. But we have to look at the husband. He was supposedly the last one who saw her. He is her husband. Uh, we have to go down that road. We don't know. We have no clue about anything. But you know what we do know? We do know that it wasn't just an overdose, right? Because if it was just an overdose, it would have been with... She is still inactive as a case because there's something going on. Something happened. Her sister, Bella, saw a selfie, which we have on our Facebook site, and we're going to try to put it on our website, of, of a selfie of Ashley that day she took of herself. There's nothing wrong with She's beautiful. There is nothing wrong with her. You don't see any bruising. doesn't look like she got the hell beat out of her or something happened to her. And you know what, guys? This was the ultimate betrayal for Ashley, wasn't it? This was her ultimate betrayal. Somebody hurt Ashley. Somebody hurt her mother. Somebody hurt her sister and her children. Somebody hurt them when they took Ashley or way and they had no right so in 2023 let's be let's be noisy let's be determined let's be standing together let's be a movement of change guys there is a three thousand dollar reward for the arrest and conviction anybody that was responsible for her death so what do you guys think i know you got to be having your opinions i want to hear them the sheriff Lute said leave your tips at 740 Four five two, three six three seven extension six zero four seven. That is seven four zero four five two, three six three seven extension six zero four seven. 
Now listen guys, leave some hearts in the comments. That's for Ashley and her family. Show our support and love, alright? And visit our Facebook group, Death, Lies, and Alibis. Until next time, Breda and I say peace out. I want to say something though here. I want to share. Just I want to share my story, and I'm going through all through this, the different cases that we do. Again, I want my story to help somebody in any little way. I mean, maybe help you pick up that phone and leave a tip, or maybe help you speak up, or maybe help you not take that next drink or use whatever it is. Even I don't care how small it is. That's why I want to say what I'm saying. I was a grown-ass woman, probably about 23, 24 years old, had children. No, I knew better than this, right? I didn't have my children because of the drugs and alcohol. And I was actually living in my mother and stepfather's camper in the backyard. Uh, I had electricity. I had plumbing. So, I, you know, it wasn't. But come on. No, because I, and I couldn't be in the house when they weren't there or at nighttime because, yeah, you couldn't keep your electronics. You couldn't keep your cash. You couldn't keep your pills. That's as embarrassing. I'm admitting it because I'm not that way today. So that's, we don't know. You never know, okay? If you know somebody's going down that road, you know, never give up. But, you know, tough love, love from afar. If you're going down that road, reach out. I'm telling you, it, it, it can get better. All right, so let's go back to that night, March 21st. Uh, we do know the EMS was called at 6 p.m. that evening. Now, the family shared the autopsy report with us. We don't have the coroner's report, which has a lot more information, a lot more detail, you know, the stuff we want to know. We do know that the time of death was between 6 and 7 a.m. Yes, now that is a 12-hour period of time of WTF. Because that's a red flag, because the autopsy report said that the blood had already pooled, you know, congealed uh, where she had been laying. Excuse me. So, yes, that was a red flag. Okay, I'm going to have to get some tea for my throat. In the mug today, we have milk oolong. O-O-L-O-N-G. It's good. I get it from Amazon. Hold on a second. Be right back. I spoke to Renee Reynolds, who is an investigator, for the Licking County Coroner's Office. And we spoke about hot. She told me there was very high fentanyl in her system, along with meth. But the fentanyl was a lethal dose, an overdose amount. And we saw in the autopsy report that the body had numerous, over a dozen needle marks. But these, keep this in mind, these needle marks were healing. There was no new needle marks. And he would have he said that, but it says no new needle marks specifically. It says they are all healing. So correct me if I'm wrong. If you're an IV user and you've been out for a week, are you going to do it any other way? I've heard that kind of like wasting it. Like you have to do a huge amount to, to get it that way, but I don't know. So if you guys have a comment about that, go ahead and give us some feedback. To me, that was a red flag. All right, the autopsy also, we know, said it had blunt, said she had blunt force head trauma. Now the skull was not fractured. But there was hemorrhaging. It was severe, but not fatal. Now, another red flag if it was an overdose, right? So I asked about a seizure. And Renee said, no, not so. Because with seizures, you have other symptoms and other signs. Particularly the biting of the tongue. And like I said, others that just wasn't there. I said, what about if she was ODN and had 
fallen or, or something like that. And she said, we don't know. They can't be ruled out because we don't know. Her and I don't know what was in the shed. But she also had, uh, Ashley also had a lacerated liver. Now, bear with me here. She had para and pira mortem, which means at the time or close to death. So when she was dying or as she was dying, she, her liver was, what could have been happening? And then her and Renee mentioned CPR. Yes, I've done CPR before and I have cracked ribs and I know what goes on, but once again, that doesn't make sense because the body, because the body was reported on the autopsy that she had passed away 12 hours earlier. And I don't think they do CPR on a body that's a, a corpse. You know, certainly she was very stiff with the weather and 12 hours of life out of her. Um, yeah, I don't get that. So that was just a really huge red flag to me. There's just more questions we go without, you know, any... Any answers? On along the line of the overdose deaths, I want to tell you guys something. Jennifer Hyacin is our public information officer, and she really helped us out here. She got some information for me. I want to tell you that these are our overdose deaths through the years, and I want to tell you some numbers. Now, these are non-intentional, so this isn't like suicide or something. Let's start in 2011. They only had two overdose deaths. We'll go to 2013, we went up to 10 overdose deaths. We go to 2015, and we go up to 13 overdose deaths. And in 2018, this is the year that Ashley died, we had 35 overdoses. But in the first January, February, and March of that year, there were 20 overdoses. Uh, and only 15 for the rest of the year. So was there a bad batch going on? Was a bad batch getting through the communities? What in the world was happening with that? And then we go on, and then last year it went up to 42 overdose deaths. But I'm thinking, this is just me now, this is just me. Were they all overdoses? I mean, you know, what if somebody just did something that made it look like an overdose death? That's very possible. I've heard of that, right? So how do we know? Oh, that's a huge number. I'm not saying it couldn't be, but why could it not be? And I'm not saying that they didn't investigate good. I'm saying that just maybe the murderer was good. So as you look through the autopsy, there is more bruising and trauma to her body as uh, it was reported on the autopsy. So let's think of other possibilities. How about a neighbor? Was Because we don't know if where her husband was or where her mother-in-law was. What about just a bad guy that was out and about? How about a sexual predator? Because we don't know if there was a rape kit done or not. I did look at stats about sexual predators, as you can go on and search now, in the area. And right now, this year, there's eight. Just in, I think it was like two miles, three miles uh, crazy, but yeah, that, so I don't know. That's just, I'm throwing it out there. What do you guys think? Throw us back what you guys think. What about she was, you know, she was going down that road of the lifestyle that comes along with those hard-ass drugs and the IBUs, and what if she had a John? What if she was doing a trick, and, you know, that went bad? And, of course, we're going to say it because we are true crime busts, and we're going down that road. We are not accusing. We're not professionals. This is for educational and entertainment purposes only. 
But we have to look at the husband. He was supposedly the last one who saw her. He is her husband. Uh, we have to go down that road. We don't know. We have no clue about anything. But you know what we do know? We do know that it wasn't just an overdose, right? Because if it was just an overdose, it would have been with... She is still inactive as a case because there's something going on. Something happened. Her sister, Bella, saw a selfie, which we have on our Facebook site, and we're going to try to put it on our website, of, of a selfie of Ashley that day she took of herself. There's nothing wrong with She's beautiful. There is nothing wrong with her. You don't see any bruising. It doesn't look like she got the hell beat out of her or something happened to her. And you know what, guys? This was the ultimate betrayal for Ashley, wasn't it? This was her ultimate betrayal. And this is what I want to use the and this is why I want to use the podcast for. I want to use it to help these cases like Ashley and others that are still asking those questions and get it out there. I want to get it out there. I want I want to get it out there. Listen, have you guys heard of the Pike County Massacre podcast? It's really a good one. It's a, around here. In, it's in Ohio, Southern Ohio, massacre. One family wiped out another. There is a reporter on there named Stephanie Lidecker, and she said this, and I just absolutely loved it. It says, victims should not need headlines for their cases to get justice. And I thought, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Her family, Lori, <clears throat> her family, Lori, her sister, Bella, they just want validation Nobody has reached out to them. Nobody has reached out to these families. They're just sitting back waiting for what? Nothing to happen, something to happen. So, you know what? Let's make something happen. Somebody hurt Ashley. Somebody hurt her mother. Somebody hurt her sister and her children. Somebody hurt them when they took Ashley away. And they had no right to do that. So in 2023, let's be, let's be noisy, let's be determined, let's be standing together, let's be a movement of change, guys. There is a $3,000 reward for the arrest and conviction of anybody leading to Ashley's, leading anybody that was, anybody that was responsible for her death. So what do you guys think? I know you got to be having your opinions. I want to hear them. Give us some feedback. I want to hear them. Give us some feedback. Listen, if you got anything, big or small, if you know anything, big or small, Sheriff said to, Sheriff Lutz said to leave these, Sheriff, Sheriff Lutz said leave your tips at 740-452-3637, extension 6047. That is 740-452-3637, extension 6047. Now listen guys, leave some hearts in the comments. That's for Ashley and her family. Show our support and love, alright? And I'll visit our Facebook group, Death, Lies, and Alibis. Until next time, Bretta and I say peace out. Ashley's case would have been one of the 20 overdose deaths in 2018. And she was not. Her file, her number, her case is not there. She is still inactive as a case because there's something going on something happened her sister bella saw a selfie which we have on our facebook site and we're going to try to put it on our website 
of, of a selfie of Ashley that day she took of herself. There's nothing wrong with She's beautiful. There is nothing wrong with her. You don't see any bruising. It doesn't look like she got the hell beat out of her or something happened to her. And you know what, guys? This was the ultimate betrayal for Ashley, wasn't it? And this is why I want to use the podcast for. I want to use it to help these cases like Ashley and others that are still asking those questions. I want to get it out there. Listen, have you guys heard of the Pike County Massacre podcast? It's really a good one. It's around here. In, it's in Ohio, Southern Ohio, Massacre. One family wiped out another. There is a reporter on there named Stephanie Lidecker. And she said this, and I just absolutely loved it. It says, victims should not need headlines for their cases to get justice. And I thought, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Her family, Lori, her sister, Bella, they just want validation. Nobody has reached out to them. Nobody has reached out to these families. They're just sitting back waiting for what, nothing to happen, something to happen. So, you know what, let's make something happen. Somebody hurt Ashley. Somebody hurt her mother. Somebody hurt her sister and her children. Somebody hurt them when they took Ashley away, and they had no right. So in 2023, let's be. Let's be noisy. Let's be determined. Let's be standing together. Let's be a movement of change, guys. There is a $3,000 reward for the arrest and conviction. Ashley's case would have been one of the 20 overdose deaths in 2018 and she was not her file her number her case is not there she is still inactive as a case because there's something going on something happened her sister bella saw a selfie which we have on our facebook site and we're going to try to put it on our website of, of a selfie of Ashley that day she took of herself. There's nothing wrong with She's beautiful. There is nothing wrong with her. You don't see any bruising. It doesn't look like she got the hell beat out of her or something happened to her. And you know what, guys? This was the ultimate betrayal for Ashley, wasn't it? And this is why I want to use the podcast for. I want to use it to help these cases like Ashley and others that are still asking those questions and I want to get it out there. Listen, have you guys heard of the Pike County Massacre podcast? It's really a good one. It's around here. In Ohio, it's in Ohio, Southern Ohio, Massacre. One family wiped out another. There is a reporter on there named Stephanie Lidecker. And she said this, and I just absolutely loved it. It says, victims should not need headlines for their cases to get justice. And I thought, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Her family, Lori, her sister, Bella, they just want validation. Nobody has reached out to them. Nobody has reached out to these families. They're just sitting back waiting for what? Nothing to happen, something to happen. So, you know what? Let's make something happen. Somebody hurt Ashley. Somebody hurt her mother. Somebody hurt her sister and her children. Somebody hurt them when they took Ashley away, and they had no right. So, in 2023, let's be. Let's be noisy. Let's be determined. Let's be standing together. Let's be a movement of change, guys. There is a $3,000 reward for the arrest and conviction. Anybody that was responsible for her death. So what do you guys think? I know you got to be having your opinions. I want to hear them. The Sheriff Lute said, leave your tips at 
7-4-0-4-5-2-3-6-3-7, extension 6047. That is 7-4-0-4-5-2-3-6-3-7, extension 6047. Now listen guys, leave some hearts in the comments. That's for Ashley and her family. Show our support and love, alright? And visit our Facebook group, Death, Lies, and Alibis. Until next time, Bretta and I say peace out.